How you doing, everybody? I'm Ken Bykoff, and welcome to the Peaks Podcast, powered by IndianaSportsTickets.com. We have a huge show for you this week. I mean, we're talking Hoosier Hysteria kicked off the 2015-16 basketball season last Saturday. Tom Crean got a key commitment for the future on Monday from a class of 2017 guard and the Hoosier football team came up short versus Michigan State but still put together a few positives as they head into their bye week. Now this week we're going to be talking to Peaks.com founder and publisher Mike Pegram and we'll get to him in just a second but first you folks already know that the 2015-16 Hoosier basketball season has the potential to really be special and you're going to want to head to Assembly Hall to see them in action now the bad news is they, they aren't just going to let you into Assembly Hall without a ticket, and that's where IndianaSportsTickets.com comes in. Folks, IndianaSportsTickets.com has the tickets you need, and they'll be your hookup, your hookup for the Hoosier basketball season. But, you know, that's not all. IndianaSportsTickets.com also has the tickets you need for IU football, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Indiana Pacers, and tickets are available now. So head on over to IndianaSportsTickets.com and use the promo code PEGS to receive 10% off your first order. That's IndianaSportsTickets.com, your ticket to Hoosier Athletics. Now, one of those people who cover Indiana, Indiana Athletics on a daily basis is our guest, Mike Pegram. PEGS, it's great to have you on. How you doing? Hey, Ken, good to be here in this overlap season, as I like to call it. Busy, yeah. busy, busy. Busy, no question. Let's head right on over to the hardwood. We'll get to Hoosier Hysteria in a moment. But first and foremost, Mike, let's talk about the big news that dropped on Monday. Al Durham, a six foot four guard from the class of 2017 out of Georgia, took in Hoosier Hysteria over the weekend. And I mean, he wasted no time in committing to the Hoosiers. Mike, what do you know about him? Well, I had a chance to watch Al play in Georgia in mid-July, really quick up and down the court, pushed the ball. And I thought he played in fifth gear, which is always a great trait. Um, you won't have to push him to play hard. But um, he's a little bit raw. He's ranked uh, 150th out of 100. You know, with the, uh, the rivals 150, right, the, the last spot. Um, he's placed uh, for a high-level EYBL uh, team called Southern Stampede that's coached by his father, who is interestingly a um, went to the same high school as Chuck Martin, and that's how that recruitment kind of got started. And, uh, you know, I like a New York guard. He's tough. He's hard, hard nosed. Uh, so he picked that up from his dad, even though he's down near Atlanta, uh, for his high school. But, uh, it's, it's an interesting because I think, you know, he's kind of skinny, a little bit raw right now, but developing quickly. Spent a lot of time talking to some Georgia scouts today and they really like his long-term upside. And I think that's what Indiana sees in Al Durham. How do you think he's going to fit in with the class with Curtis Jones? He'd already, uh, uh, committed. How is he going to fit in? I think he's a little bit like Curtis in that he's uh, a two guard that can help with the point guard uh, developing that area and and might have a chance to to turn into one in the long run, but probably going to end up as a shooter primarily, uh, but really versatile. And he's still growing, might end up being tall enough to help a little bit at the three spot. And, uh, you know, from a good basketball background, uh, you know, I think that – you know, they they really wanted to push for some wing shooters, and they're doing that right now with these three commitments in the fall here with uh, Curtis Jones and, and Grant Gillon from the 2016 class and now Al Durham. They really kind of addressed, uh, they felt a need in, in, the, in the wing shooter area, and uh, they can move on to maybe more size and maybe some point guards and, and true forwards. Does he remind you of anybody that you've seen play before at Indiana? Well, I don't know. He's a lefty. 
And uh, I guess Stan Robinson was a lefty, but he does not remind me of Stan. He's a little bit uh, more jetty. I don't know how, I mean, shoots up and down the court really fast, tries to beat you up, uh, beat you down and um, get some openings. But uh, I don't know if he really reminds me of anybody, but uh, I really like the speed and the effort that he puts on the court. Now, earlier today, early on Monday, I know you talked to Carter Wilson from HoopScene.com, a Georgia-based site. Now, Carter Wilson has seen Durham play a lot, and here's what he told Mike on Monday. But uh, the first thing, just knowing him, that Indian is getting with him, is a kid that is going to work his tail off. He's, he's an absolute worker. He's improved every single year he's been at Burkmar. And I think that this year, uh, for his high school season, his junior year is going to be a big-time year for him. He's grown a lot as far as his game goes. He's become a lot better of an athlete, and that's one thing that I've noticed with him, just seeing him at a couple of these fall showcases. He's, he's a lot more athletic than he looks. He's a lot more comfortable getting to the rim and finishing with contact and, and above the rim, too. Um, so that's been a big-time part of his game and I think is developing a lot more. And another part of his game that I think is, is really coming along is he's being able to play both guard positions. Um, in the past, he hasn't really played a whole lot of at the point. He hasn't had the ball in his in his hands coming up the floor trying to make plays a lot. He's been more of just a, a pure scorer type of guard. Um, but now that I've seen that I've started to see him, you know, through the summer with Southern Stampede, and then um, at a couple of these camps in the fall, he's really getting to the point where he can play both guard positions and he can make plays, and he's getting to the rim a lot better. Um, before I've noticed he. he he likes to pull up. He likes to shoot the ball. He's, he was a little bit more hesitant for contact, and he's not like that anymore. So he's really coming into his own as far as getting to the rim is concerned. He's becoming a more complete scorer, scoring from all three levels. Yeah, I saw him in July, and he physically he looked like he's got a lot of growing to do. I think, uh, you know, 165, 170 pounds. Have you begun to see him mature physically? And, and does that mean his better days may be ahead of him because he will fill in? Well, I mean, he's going to have to get a little bit bigger physically as far as the Big Ten goes. I mean, the Big Ten is, is the most physical conference in basketball, and, and you know, he's going to have to get a little bit more build on him. And he is he is getting that way. He's starting to get to where he's got a little bit more build on him, and, and he's getting in the paint and kind of making plays in the paint where before he was, you know, if it wasn't like you know, a wide-open layup or a wide-open dunk, he might try to pull up and shoot a jump shot as opposed to getting all the way to the rim. And what I've seen as far as with Southern Stampede this summer and then, like I said, in those fall camps, he is getting to the rim. He's not afraid to take on any kind of player that, that has a little bit more size than him, any kind of front court player. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's finishing at the rim and he's finishing with both hands, which is a big joke too. I know a lot of left-handed players, you know, they're kind of hesitant to use that right hand, but he's starting to get to the point where he's using both his hands really well. And that's going to be a big thing for him as well. So do you see him as a, a, a shooting guard that can play some point or could he actually take on f- point full-time uh, in a few years i don't think he'll be a full-time point guard i think he'll if you he's the type of guy that if you need spot minutes for him at the point i think he can do that but i think he's always going to be a, a shooting guard kind of because he has that scoring mentality about him he just he, he likes to score the basketball but you know i think having the ability to do both provides a lot of value just and just with you know having to have players in foul trouble or anything like that, you can always put him. He has a lot of versatility to him. I think he could probably play the one, the two, or maybe even the three. I, uh, just 
<clears throat> if he if he does grow physically, as far as you know, hitting the weight room or whatever, he he could be a, a really versatile player because he probably could play the one. And what can you tell us about his personality? Um, anything about him that kind of stands out after you get to know him? Uh, the first thing that stands out is, is he's a gym rat, absolute gym rat. He always is wanting to get better, and he always wants to work on his game. And I think that's going to be a huge thing for him. You know, Tom Crean, you know, since even back in his days at Marquette, has had a, a reputation with developing guards. I mean, he's had guards that have come in, might not have been the, the highest-ranked player in the world, but ended up leaving, you know, an NBA caliber player. Like the the guy that I think of probably would be uh, Jimmy Butler, you know. Um, okay. But you know, I I think that with with that and with his mentality to to be a worker, I think that he could develop into a really good player. At the now, of course, uh, Al Durham was one of the took a visit to Bloomington for Hoosier hysteria. Took in everything, the pageantry of it all. The uh, you know maybe he was impressed by Thomas Bryant's dance. I know I was when they they come through for the uh, the introductions. Another official visitor there was Mario Kegler. Uh, you know, talk a little bit about uh, about him and how Hoosier hysteria might sway him one way or the other. Well, Mario Kegler is um, on the fringe of being a five-star level player. I think he's 29th, and I think 27 players are kind of being given that five-star label by Rivals.com. Really a nice three, pure three, six, seven. So he's got good size for the small forward spot. Really skilled. He's an impact kind of player. He's he's not a blow you away, maybe one and done, but uh, clearly a guy who could who could possibly come in and start right away. And he's. Um, uh, Going to narrow things down, I think, to three schools later this week. He's at five right now. Mississippi State is a home t- state school. Baylor, Arizona State, Maryland, and Indiana. And I think Indiana has a terrific chance to, to make the cut. I still think it'll be uh, less than 50% that they'll end up being his choice, given his southern roots and, and maybe a little bit um, – need for wanting to play with big guys uh, across a big front line that, that he's talked about. But um, I think that the Indiana is going to be right there in the end, and uh, we'll, we'll see. It's going to matter. He's going to decide uh, still in a, little, a few, couple more weeks, but uh, it'll be see, interesting to see if they make the cut this week to the final three. Well, you talked about them adding uh, a number of shooters, said that they might go for some size, which certainly is something that uh, this team needs. You know, Thomas Bryant being there is, is great, but beyond Bryant and, you know, Max Bielfeldt, of course, uh, you don't have a lot of great size. Or, or outside of Thon Maker, uh, who else are they really pursuing that might be able to fill that big man role? Well, you know, the guy who's been the number one on our pot board for that class is still Deron Davis. Mississippi State's made a late play for him, and I think it's kind of a, um, you know, either or those two schools now for Duran, who, who should make a decision in, in November. But um, that's the main guy. He's he's a pure power forward all the way around, both plays with his back to the basket. He's strong. Um, he's versatile, but, again, he's a four all the way. can block some shots and, and, and do some things that uh, Indiana's going to really need. Um, and then we talked about Thon Maker, but after that, uh, you know they're they're involved a little bit with Jared Allen uh, from uh, from Texas, who's a five star level six nine six ten, uh, really good athlete. But he's going to be a tough get. Uh, hasn't been on campus or anything of that variety to really get close to the Hoosier program yet. So um, 
a lot of eggs in the basket of Deron Davis, Ken. And, and uh, you know, that's one guy got interesting because Ben Howland's made a really late play, and I think Mississippi State is pretty confident there. But Indiana has been involved longer, has developed, a, you know, a really good relationship with its staff and the players with Deron. And um, we'll have to see because he's going to visit um, Mississippi State still. He hasn't actually been there and then it's um, kind of interesting that they're still very confident there with him, even though he's not been on their campus. So they've made some quicker inroads. And Ben Howland, even though he's at Mississippi State, he spent all those years at UCLA and recruited the state of Colorado where Duran is from, and those contacts seem to be paying off. Now, with this recruiting class, how it's shaping up, I mean, you mentioned Grant Gilon. He's a guy that uh, didn't have uh, a real high ranking. Uh, L. Durham, you know, he's a fringe 150 guy, which is, you know, decent for most schools. But Indiana generally will get guys with a little bit higher ranking than that. Do you see this recruiting class kind of shaping up as maybe being a step below some of them that Indiana has had in the past, especially if they if they aren't able to land a Thonmaker or a Deron Davis? Well, they, they, yeah, they still need to add a home run if that's what you're talking about. If they want to be yeah. a Big Ten level contender, I do think they've addressed a shooting skill need. Curtis Jones is a really solid shooter, and um, if he puts the effort in to build his body up, I think will be a solid Big Ten guard. Um, but they haven't, they haven't really found, um, uh, you know, real true impact guys yet. I think Al Durham has some some long term potential as we talked about, and we'll see how he, how it looks with him. Uh, a year from now, but uh, yeah, they have to they have to hit some home runs or at least some doubles and triples. Maybe I, mean, I would call Deron Davis a home run, Don Maker a home run, um, and uh, Mario Kegler would be a close to a home run too. Uh, he doesn't quite fit the need that those other two guys I just mentioned. And Bruce Brown, I think, would be would be a double or triple who's uh, because of his defensive abilities, which has you know been a missing ingredient from recent teams. Well, on to Hoosier Stereo. You know, the, that event is great for the fans. Certainly the introductions are fun. You know, the dunk contest and, and the three-point contest have their merits. The scrimmage is is really maybe the, the only meat and potatoes part of that. And even that, it's it's not like a regular practice. There's not quite the same intensity. What, if anything, did you take away from that event? Well, you know, I was going to write a story today until the news on Al Durham broke about how the freshmen, I think, looked pretty solid. Their numbers, I think they only missed two shots between them, and, and Thomas Bryant stood out the most, you know, with his uh, scrimmage high and, and points, 13 points, and scored the first two baskets right away. But the only negative I could think of was Thomas looked great, but who is there to guard Thomas Bryant, you know? Right. It really isn't. Um, and I think that's what we were telling ourselves last year with Hunter Perea. We're like, he's looking pretty good, but – he doesn't have anybody to match up with him inside, so he's going to look good. I think Thomas is a higher level and will 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 we'll start and be a huge impact player. In fact, I would say Thomas and, and Yogi are the guys you just can't lose on this team if they want to really really go places. But um, he looked really good, especially considering he's missed some practices with the sore foot injury. And uh, I thought OG Ananobi would look like a guy who's ready to contribute. He was in the right, he had a tendency to be in the right place at the right time. He's a springing guy, um, coming along well. And, uh, you know, like I said, Jawan jo, uh, Morgan is, plays very efficient, always has a high shooting percentage. He's the kind of guy that'll go out there and, and be three for four, play his butt off and play some defense. And those two guys, along with Thomas, I think can impact the defensive end. So I think we'll see a lot of the freshmen this, this year 
because they bring different things to the table. And you saw a little bit of that on, on Saturday night. Um, I don't know if a lot of other things stood out. I thought Yogi showed good chemistry with Thomas Bryant. And, uh, you know, Robert Johnson looked solid, you know, like he's stepping up. James Blackman had a tough first half of the scrimmage and then a really good second half, maybe in line with somebody who's missed some, missed some time, you know, with his uh, meniscus injury, but has been able to get back to the court and, and it's a little bit rusty, but, you know, soon be back to, to, to feel in the rhythm 100% of the time. And um, I thought Biefeld made a couple of nice plays, which is important for the depth on the inside. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know if there's, you know, anything else that uh, off the top of my head, you know, Colin Hartman wasn't able to play. He's going to be a key part of the team with a rib injury, but that's the kind of thing that, you, that goes away over time. Um, so, I, you know, I think that, um, you know, it was in a Troy Williams, yeah, I can't, was, was aggressive with his three-point shot, probably because he won the three-point shooting contest. Um, but Troy was pretty good. I think he was a little bit uh, – over, over anxious um, because of all the st- stuff that went on before it, and, and obviously won't be that way in, in in most situations, and probably not in the scrimmage next week uh, for Haunted Hall. But um, you know, I think I think to me, I think the starters are pretty easy to call right now. Um, if Troy Williams plays the four, then you know a little bit uh, of a small four, but I I can't see. Anything but Yogi, Robert Johnson, James Blackman, Troy Williams, and, and Thomas Bryan out there. Um, but I'm sure that things will change a little bit. But with Colin Hurt and uh, BFL being kind of new, I, I really think that that's your five, at least at the start. For people who weren't there, myself included, because I uh, co-hosted uh, the post-game Colin show for football on the radio, and the game went long, and uh, the show went long. I ended up missing the whole event. But for people who weren't there... What was the atmosphere like in the building? I know that the fan expectations are sky high. What was the energy for in Assembly Hall during the event? I thought it was pretty. It was pretty good. I would say there's been uh, maybe one or maybe the two uh, Hoosier hysterias with Cody Zeller were, were more well, you know, more people, a little bit more buzz. But um, this would be maybe the third best crowd of the Tom Crane era. Um, so much that you had, you put, did put some people in the bleachers. I mean, the bleachers, the, uh, the balconies eventually. And even with the, the seats, the bleacher seats pulled down behind the baskets. So that means you have, you know, roughly 13,000, uh, 12, 13,000 fans there. It was, it was a pretty good atmosphere. I mean, I think, you know, they, they bring up the, the, the ladies team and, and do some other things that, you know, and, that aren't going to build tremendous energy. For, for the men's team like we used to see in the Bob Knight era where the men's team was all you got. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it, it was pretty good energy. And, and um, I, I don't know, the, the, the dunk contest, Troy made a nice dunk, but there wasn't anything, uh, you know, really that memorable before the, you know, but for for us hardcores that the scrimmage is what we'll take away. I don't think we'll take away anything else, but the energy was pretty good. I think the, you know the the fans know that this is a top 20 team that can do some things and and that you could feel that in the building. Well, on over to football. IU put up a fight against Michigan State. 
But again, for the second straight game, they fell apart late, losing 52-26 to move to 500 on the year. Now, this is, again, the second straight game that saw IU disintegrate in the fourth quarter. And head coach Kevin Wilson acknowledged that although he feels like this team is getting better, he knows the wins have to start coming. Now, Mike, I'll get your comments in a second, but first off, I asked Wilson on Monday how he and his staff could best go about avoiding frustration among the players and even among themselves because they're so close to breaking through, but they just can't quite seem to, to get over the hump. Yeah, the thing with, and again, not trying to be Dr. Phil with them here this week, but we, we've been really talking about, you know, uh, you're, you're playing really good football with really good teams. And so, first of all, is there talent and do you belong? Okay, now if we're not getting the results we want, as good as you may be doing, I'm telling you, you have to find a little bit more. So we can justify excuses or not, play calls or not, you know, ref- referees, elements, matchups, freshmen, all those are just excuses. At the end of the day, uh, physically, you're not far off, but we got to keep coming and find more because it's just not quite good enough yet. And um, uh, I think uh, whether we get to a little bit of whether we get tired or we start waiting around for someone to make a play, what we talked last week is, is again, to get to the point where we can maybe tip over is that all you need is a couple viral people for something to become infectious. And we're right there. So who's going to be the one guy? Not what we need to do, but who's going to be the one guy? That's what you watch T.J. Simmons. I already made 15 tackles. And was flying around. It was it was by far the greatest effort I saw him. I think he was by now. I'm going to be the one guy, and because he played at an energy level, I had Dimitri Camille had played an unbelievable game against a great player, just playing as hard as he could play. And if, I think from a confidence standpoint, now those guys are going to see, man, if I just believe myself and play hard, but we need more and more guys like that. So you know, all we talked about was <clears throat> there's a lot of good. It's not good enough, and most people, most things want to give in. That's not what I'm about, and that's not what we're going to be about. We're not going to make excuses. We need to win. We're here to win. We're going to win, and you'll have a great opportunity with Iowa and the next four games, and let's get ready and go after it. So this week comes a time where we can a little self-analyze, a little developmental work, a little get some guys fresh, but really get direction here for a great four-game run and see how good we can be. So Indiana sits at four and four on the season. That's eight games in. They got four to go. They need to go 500 in uh, the next uh, four games. Games against at home against Iowa and Michigan coming up after the bye week. Then they go on the road and play at Maryland and at Purdue uh, in a bucket game that could conceivably be huge. Mike, after the way the two last two games ended, they haven't won a game in a month. They're going to come back from uh, from the bye, and they they've been stewing for a couple of weeks. What does Indiana have to do to bounce back on the gridiron? Well, I think they need to upset Iowa or win those last two games. <laughs> I, 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 that's the only way. I don't think they will beat Michigan. Michigan's a solid defensive team. Yeah. And I think if they lose to Iowa, the, it'll snowball a little bit for the Michigan game. That's my opinion. Um, but I think they have a chance to regroup. I don't know that Iowa is as good as their record or ranking suggests. No. Um, they have become gotten better as the season went along, but they won some early games by close uh, scores. I don't know that they recruit the level of you know the Michigan States and Michigans and Ohio States, and and so there's an opportunity there to kind of catch Iowa, uh, maybe looking ahead, and uh, you know they have to have things go right. They have to. The, the, the Rutgers loss put them in a situation where they have to do something that was un, was unexpected. Beating Iowa would be unexpected. Um, I don't know 
how good of a season it'll look if they manage to win at Maryland and then beat Purdue. But that would be two um, two uh, road games wins at the end. So I guess that would look pretty good. I put them at six and six and may sneak them into some place like uh, the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit or or maybe somewhere nicer than that. But um, you know, I I think they ha- I really I really look at that Iowa game as a, their fir- real opportunity to do something with this season. And the Maryland game is the possibly saving saving the season, but um, that November seventh game against Iowa was a really real opportunity to make a, a name for themselves and, and really build momentum. And uh, but if they if you know they they lose out or, or lose out to Purdue, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean that 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 is a uh, you know at the seven game losing streak. That's that's pretty serious business. Yeah, and you know it's. This is team. It's got you can go one of two ways on it, really, because you have a Michigan State team that's awfully good, top ten team in the nation, and Indiana was was hanging with them in the fourth quarter and just had a lot of things go wrong late. And you know, although Kevin Wilson said he didn't feel the defense hung its head much, I, I kind of felt that it did and gave up two big rushing touchdowns. Uh, one of the points he made was, you know, if they hung their head, they had him on third and nine, and then they give up a long uh, touchdown run. So how could they have been hanging their heads? By the same token, you got to finish games. And, you know, we went into the season and you saw, um, you know, the game at, at Rutgers was winnable. The Michigan State game, uh, that was was one that you didn't chalk up as really winnable. And Indiana gave itself a chance in the fourth quarter. Now, that could either snowball and say, well, we just can't get it done. We've lost four straight. Now we got Iowa and Michigan. You know, you, you come out flat against Iowa and you, you could end up going on the road at Maryland having lost six straight. That, that's one way that it can go. The other way that it can go is you realize that you're a good football team. You still have opportunities ahead of you and you have a home game against, like you said, Iowa where you could shock a lot of people by, by pulling together. And and getting the job done and playing a good sixty minutes with two weeks to prepare. My question to you, Mike, is: Do you think this team is anywhere near fragile, uh, mentally strong enough to pull together and do that? I know I, I for one, I'm not sure that they are. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I think they're mentally strong enough to be there in the fourth quarter or to make the, the close game for forty five minutes. But when the you know, really comes down to the end, and the opposing team gets a little bit smarter with their play calls, and um, really, really takes advantage of that Indiana secondary. Then, then I, I just—that's where you just lose a little faith. And is there a wear down in the defensive um, side? You know, at that time, it seems like there has been the last few weeks. Well, it's going to be interesting uh, to see how the Hoosiers, uh, you know, prepare, spend spend their time during the bye week and just kind of the attitude of the team when we get a chance to talk to them next week. Of course, you mentioned Haunted Hall of Hoops, which is at Assembly Hall on Halloween, October 31st. <laughs> why, why would I give the date for Halloween? <laughs> you know, it's the same every, it's like saying, no, they're held in Christmas on December 25th this year. But, uh, you know, have you heard a time for uh, for Haunted Hall? I haven't. No, they. Ha- uh, I assume that they will do it early afternoon, twelve noon, or something like that. But I have not heard the time. Um, you know, they'd have to make sure Assembly Hall is ready. But uh, they should go ahead and announce it. I would think any time. You know, should have done it by now. But um, it'll. 
be Saturday because Chuck Crabb announced it as Saturday at Hoosier Hysteria. So unless there's a change, that's what when it's going to be. Well, be sure to to pay attention to Peaks.com because we're sure, we're certainly going to have that information when it's released. Uh, it, it's it's going to be fun to see the team scrimmage again and get a chance to really see any kind of development that you have. And then again, the Haunted Halls again a little bit different event. Yeah, you have a lot of fans, you have a lot of kids in uh, in costumes, but still there there is a little bit more of a focus for for the players for the scrimmage. So that should be something to see. Mike, I know you're looking forward to it, and I appreciate you coming on. Hey, Ken, it's been fun and been an interesting week already. Well, that's all the time we have for the Peaks Podcast, powered by IndianaSportsTickets.com. I want to thank our guest, Mike Pegram, for coming on, and I want to thank our sponsor, IndianaSportsTickets.com, for their support. Get over to the site and grab your ticket to IU Athletics. Plus, you can get ticks for the, the Pacers the Col- and the Colts to Boots. That's IndianaSportsTickets.com. I also want to remind you to visit Peaks.com for the very best IU sports coverage you're going to find anywhere. Nobody covers IU football, basketball, and recruiting better than Mike Pegram, Jeff Rabjohns, and Matt Weaver, so come be a part of a thriving community. You just are not going to be disappointed. Well, folks, we're out of time, but for Mike, Jeff, and Matt, I'm Ken Bykoff saying thanks for listening, everybody.